Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ken, to you and Rob, your family, both your families. I hope that uh, the holidays were great. I hope Santa was good. I know Santa was good to all your kids. You got a whole bunch of kids, beautiful kids in that house. I'm sure that was a very, very happy uh, early Christmas morning, even though you begrudgingly got out of uh, bed. Uh, you you a little bit of a Scrooge, not much, but you know you wanted to wait an extra, probably a little extra hour maybe of, of sleep uh, before you got dragged to the tree. But I'm sure everybody got what they wanted. Uh, I'm sure everybody was happy. Uh, I hope that for everybody out there, for you and Rob and for all our fans out there that are gracious enough to uh, watch us, listen to us, uh, care about us, I hope that the new year is much better uh, in obvious ways uh, where the sickness will start to leave us. You know, there was so many things to want to leave behind in 2020, obviously, between the terrible virus and what the virus besides the, well, there's nothing worse than the, the sickness and the deaths that it brought to so many people. We pray for all those people and their families that 2021 will bring a time of healing, of getting better. Uh, and also in the areas of so many, so many families, uh, businesses, just just working people that have been crushed by the financial plight that this terrible virus brought to. Uh, we hope that everybody's 2020, 2021 is, uh, is a new start and a, a great year. So, uh, and we'll start off with that. We'll start off where the signs are good, where the signs are, you know, really positive. The omens are there, you know, that it's going to be a good year because we started with a hell of a good fight. And I'll leave the rest up to, to my man, Ken. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by PowerDot. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in the company. I love the product. Reach out to them. Participated in their recent convertible note. Um, some of the benefits of using PowerDot, it promotes circulation to help muscles recover quickly between fights or workouts. It relieves pain by stimulating nerves. It re helps with rehab from injuries by increasing circulation and activating the muscle fibers that it may have atrophied around the injury. Athletes love PowerDot. It's used by some of the world's top athletes, including UFC fighters, boxers, NFL players. I've personally given this thing to Dustin Poirier and Regis Prograis. I know they use it and love it. Um, also, this week, if you buy a PowerDot, send your receipt to the fight at hithardmedia.com and you'll have a one in five chance of getting it for free. We're going to reimburse the cost in one of one out of every five devices purchased using the promo code Atlas. Just send your receipts to the fight, the fight at hithardmedia.com. FYI, Rob is recording this thing on my calf right now, which has been killing me from all the training I've been doing over the break. Um, again, PowerDot's given 20% off to all listeners using the promo code Atlas, A-T-L-A-S. Go to PowerDot.com slash Atlas for 20% off and a 1 in 5 chance of getting the device for free. Before we get into the fight, one quick note on Christmas morning. <laughs> 
the kids always get me up very early and we oh, have a tradition where the kids the kids sit on the stairs and I go downstairs to make sure Santa has arrived. And uh, this year, so the kids are now 10, 9, 7, and 5. So I figured I'd put a little prank on them. I had a rubber Grinch mask. I oh, put the Grinch that's mask not someone, on. That's not stretching it too far. I mean, they've seen that. They've seen that. That's true. They've seen that. <laughs> so now you've got you've to picture this. I've got on matching um, elf pajamas with my youngest son, who's five. Oh, cute. So I go Very down. I, I, I put on the... I put on the Grinch mask and I creep up the stairs and I peek around the corner and the older kids are hysterically laughing and the five-year-old runs a 4-3-40 and sprints into his bedroom and is under his bed crying hysterically. I've, I've destroyed him. I've like scarred him for life. So then I have to show him the Grinch mask and tell him it's not real. And luckily he saw the presence and changed his tune. Thank and God. Crying, Otherwise you would have destroyed Christmas. Oh my God. I felt terrible. So Ken. <laughs> and then the big thank kids God teased him for the rest of the day. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God he recovered. Um and, and, and my and my son had the clock on him. He's gonna be uh he's gonna be scouting him in the future, you know, <laughs> uh, in the combines uh with the yeah. Raiders. Well, unfortunately for both me, you and Teddy Jr. will be watching. Uh, we won't have much to cheer about this playoff season for the no, first time for in sure. a long time. That's for sure. None of us have anything to cheer of with uh, both New York teams, the Patriots and the Raiders, all out of the playoffs. It's a travesty. <laughs> well, especially, yeah. listen, even though it's my son's team, uh, we're, we're always honest about things, and especially for the Raiders, I mean, especially for the New England Patriots. I mean, if my math is correct or close to correct, you guys won the division something like 12 times in a row, 12 years in a row. Is, is something that a, like that. A 12, 13, somewhere in that area. And you made the playoffs, I think, what, the last 12, 13, 14 years in a row? Yeah. I yep. mean, uh, whatever. I mean, it's been a – it doesn't – you're right. It doesn't seem – If you're, especially if you're a fan of the Patriots, it can't seem right not to be in the playoffs after having such yeah. a long run. I just say, uh, but you're not. Myself, <laughs> I just tell myself it's a COVID year. It doesn't really matter. Oh yeah, well of course. <laughs> it's Make not official. <laughs> uh, I mean, who's? I'll tell you, and I'll finish with our football on this one. And I, I think it's since we're talking about it, it's it's deserving to be said. Um, I'm always, and you with me, but. I'm always critical of boxing when it deserves to be critical. I, I have no apologies, but I love the sport. I've been in it for over 45 years. That's why we do the show. But um, when it deserves to be, you know, attacked and criticized, uh, we're there because we want it to be better. And I have to say, with all the times, and I'm not backpedaling at all on this, where boxing has been deserving of criticism, you know, whether it's with the horrendous judging, which, you know, really looks corrupt. It's, I mean, I, I don't mince my words. And you see some of the the terrible judging and the terrible handling by the refs sometimes, and, and then forget it. You go to another level when you talk about the rankings of some of these fighters by these ridiculous organizations and all that stuff. But I have to say, usually there's 
not as much criticism or anything near it to point at the other sports because they have national commissions, they have more superstructure, uh, you know, they're they're more credible because of these reasons, uh, all that. Uh, if, if an official makes a mistake, uh, you know, somebody will be calling them on it. Uh, they grade the officials in baseball, football, basketball. If, if you see a bad official, you're not going to see him. He's going to be sent like the cops used to be sent when they were a bad cop on a post to Siberia, you know, walking a post where you didn't see him no more. Uh, they would they would rotate the officials. They get him out of the out of the rotation. Not in boxing. You see the same damn. And yeah, I use that word because it it infuriates me. It, it shouldn't be part of the sport where a fighter puts his life on the line and then he gets a decision stolen from him. And 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 you see the official that was the culprit that was guilty. Rather than see him out of the game, you see him working again the following week. But if anybody watched that game last night, and we'll specify it was Sunday night, if anyone saw the Sunday night game where a lot of fans in where I come from, in New York, were watching and hoping and keeping their fingers crossed that Philadelphia would beat Washington because the Giants had beaten the Cowboys early in the day, which made my man Stephen A. Smith very happy. Very, very, very. He's making That's the a, highlight of my weekend uh, when, the, uh, when the Cowboys lose. He's <laughs> very happy. I, he's going to have to buy another Cowboy hat because he's starting to wear it out. He's starting to wear it out a little bit. And he's going to have to have another one on standby. But that night, Sunday night, where you have a meaningful game on one side of the ledger, you have the Washington Redskins, give them all the credit in the world, they made the playoffs. They're playing against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got nothing to play for except pride and professionalism. And there's certain players that are playing for position, for jobs. So that. But they're not going anywhere when that game ends. They're not going into the playoffs. Washington is if they win. And if Washington loses and Philly beats them, well, then the New York Giants, who earned that right to be right there, they're going in. So there's a lot on the line, especially for these fans of both of these areas. So you're watching the game, and you see the quarterback for he, – he was the college kid last year. He played for Oklahoma. Before that, he played for Alabama. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Hurts. Real strong kid, you know. A lot of people wonder if he can make it as an NFL quarterback, but he's getting his chance. You know, a lot of injuries with Philadelphia with quarterbacks and everything. So he's getting Carson his chance. Carson Wentz, the starting quarterback, is out, so the Hurts is playing. He's the number two. Yeah, and Hurts was, you know, a guy that was up for the Heisman the year before. He had a good year with Oklahoma. He had been with Alabama before that, before Tua came along. So he's a strong guy. He's... A lot of people think he's more of a runner, but he's still proven himself, and he's still got a chance to prove himself, you know, as an NFL quarterback. Anyway, he puts two touchdowns up, and at one point, Philadelphia's winning 14-10. to 10. Uh, At the end of the game, uh, Washington winds up going ahead 20-14, to 14 and they win the game. But while Hurts is in there, it's a competitive game. Very. A, and all of a sudden, what happens? 
the coach of Philly with nothing to, again, they have nothing to play for other than what I just pointed out, your obligation to be a pro, your obligation to put your best effort out there because you're getting paid, you're a professional. He pulls, he pulls Hurts out of the game and puts the third-string quarterback in. And everything goes downhill after that. I mean, to the point where it, it was almost it was almost where it would make you say, wait a minute, did he fix this game? Like, like it was so bad. It was so bad. And people were like, why is Hurts not in there? And Hurts wasn't having a great... Hurts was starting to have some trouble. He's had a good start, and then he was having some trouble. But the third-string quarterback, he... He was doing everything to lose the game. I mean, I know he wasn't purposely, but it, it made it almost made you think. And and I had to say something because it's, I'm critical to boxing for getting it wrong and for you know for doing things that sabotage the sport, that take away the integrity of the sport of the game. You have to wonder a little bit about that why the coach would put in a guy that gave him a less chance to win. A less, and it was right in front of you. Right in front of your eyes. And there's, there's a lot of controversy out there. If people go on the internet, they go on their news station, everybody, all the sports pundits out there today can woke up this morning, and that's all they're talking about, is how did the coach make that decision to put that quarterback in there that basically blew their chance to win? That, that, that all kinds, I mean, whether it was dropping a in ball. The first, his, in the first series, he just threw a ball right down center field, picked off in the first, it was either first or second series, basically. I think they recovered a fumble and then just immediately threw an interception. It was so... It was terrible. It was so bad, Ken, that, you know, you talk about conspiracy theories and all that stuff, but it, it made you think, and, and again, it was on my mind when I put the TV on, I said, oh, I guess I, I, guess I was on the right track. <laughs> because all the pundits, as I said earlier, all the sports experts are out there saying, what the heck happened? Did he blow the game? Did, the, did they want to get a little higher draft pick? I mean, you know, by having another loss, did, did they somehow maybe uh, not want their, their hated rival Giants? <laughs> you know, Giants in Philly, you know, their hated rivals, heated rivals. Did... Did they not want them to make it? And so I said to myself, you know what? I got, if I get the chance, I got to say a little something at the top of the show about that because for the way that I will jump on by, and I will continue to do it. I will do it to my last breath if it calls for it. I want my sport to be have integrity. The fighters deserve it. They put everything on the line. They deserve it. If they win a fight, I don't care if it's by this much. They deserve to win the damn thing because it's, it's going to change their life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to impact their life in a way that in other sports, you're probably very, very few vocations in anything could be as impactful as they are in boxing. Because when you lose in boxing, you go to the back of the line and you face thousands of punches again to get back to that place. So, again, I, I want to start positive this year and talk about positive things. And a, one of the positive things is, we'll get to it, is the Garcia-Luke Campbell fight. Great, great beginning of the year. But I had to. I said to myself, 
if I hold myself accountable, and I do, to always being fair, trying to be fair, I have to say, hey, this sport screwed up too. My sport ain't the only one who screws up. So, <laughs> uh, this sport screwed up. The difference, though, Ken, and I wish we could catch up in that way, but we need a national commission in boxing. The difference is that there will be inquiries. There, there will be people that will be talking about it and looking into it and, you know, figuring out whether or not there could be any, which I'm sure there's not, but whether there could be anything that's unsavory, if you will, that that went into the decision-making with that. That would be looked at, and, and they're being called out on, and there's outrage about it. That's the problem. In our sport, there's no outrage. In our sport, people will be us, for the most part. A few people will be yelling about the bad decision for about five minutes, and then it's forgotten about. It's forgotten about, but, it's not, but the impact's not forgotten on the fighter who got robbed. That's all. Yep. I, I, I just felt it was, it was fair for me to have to say that. And then, of course, uh, the New York fans are very upset. You think you're upset <laughs> about... You think you're upset, Ken? You think you're upset uh, about the Patriots the only thing that, making the a playoff? The only thing that alleviates my ups, being upset about the Patriots is knowing that the Giants fans are upset. I'm sorry <laughs> to say it. Uh, but yeah. congratulations to the Washington Redskins, champions of the NFC least. You're, you know what? I'll finish with this because you, you set yourself up for this. You set yourself up for it. And you're smiling. Look at that smile. So you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I've said to anyone that would listen, I'd rather have the Patriots lose to anyone but the Giants. <laughs> Nevertheless, we have a lot of good stuff to get to. The new year got kicked off with a hell of a start. Ryan Garcia, my God, did he deliver. No matter what you think of this kid, yes, he's handsome. He's a, he's a superstar on social media. He's a fighter! And, and everything that goes along with it, but most importantly, he's a fighter. And if you don't think so, well, he stopped Luke Campbell, who the great Vasily Lomachenko couldn't stop. Jorge Linares stopped, uh, knocked him down and only got a split decision. Ryan Garcia beat him convincingly after getting rocked and knocked down. And in my opinion, not a flash knockdown. I mean, he was knocked down. His arm flew behind him. I mean, he was all discombobulated when he hit the deck. But like a young, strong kid, he recovered from the second round knockdown. One guy, he recovered so much, one of the judges actually scored a 10-9 for Campbell versus the traditional 10-8 for the knockdown. Um, Garcia on all three, on two of the three Score cards had um, won every round except the 10-8 round he lost. And on the one that guy that gave him to 10-9 round uh, to Campbell, he also that judge also gave Campbell the um, fourth round. So Garcia was winning the fight convincingly, shook off the knockdown, looked spectacular, and stopped him with one of the best body shots you could possibly throw. I don't think he could have put any more leverage onto it. And I know that you'll talk about this, but Campbell's defense all night looked great with that high defense, but where it failed him is that defense went that that guard went high as he was backing up slightly and Garcia adjusted and cracked him in the body with the Mexican liver shot and I mean, my god, you could tell when he went down it was devastating, but I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this one, so uh let's hear your thoughts on the fight. Yeah, listen, 
it couldn't went if you wrote a Hollywood script and, and, and this is appropriate to take this this track because a lot of people think that this kid could go to Hollywood. You know, he's that good looking. So and he's got that big following, seven million, whatever it is, social media. He he's very obviously he's very savvy uh as far as the technology, the social media uh, world goes, all that. And, and in some ways that's worked for him, some ways against him because a lot of people were questioning, is he a fighter? I mean, that's the bottom line, let's be honest. And it couldn't have gone, again, if a Hollywood scriptwriter wrote the damn thing, he couldn't have wrote it better. Couldn't have wrote it better. Never was it, I tell you, this sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Um, the best thing that ever happened to him was getting knocked down. Well, actually, the second best. The best was getting up. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's, that's, always, that's always the best. But getting knocked down was the best thing that ever happened to this kid. Similar to what happened to... Really similar to what happened to another good-looking, great talent <clears throat> where people still wondered if he had the stuff that they wanted to have. Sugar Ray Leonard, when he fought Durant... Now, Leonard was already champ. That's the difference. But Leonard was the golden boy. Leonard was a kid that had that million-dollar smile. <coughs> Excuse me. And there was a lot of people that still wouldn't give him his due. Like, they didn't know if, he, if there was more to him. If he, was a, if, if he would satisfy what they wanted to satisfy when the moment came. When the... When the bell told for you rang for you to tell who you are what you are they weren't sure but when he fought Durant they just thought he was a kid with a lot of talent and maybe you know maybe he doesn't deserve everything he's getting that's fans are, are funny that way they want to see do you, does he deserve all this will he find a way when the moment comes to have to do more than show talent. Will he have that? Will he have that? Like the other great ones had. And when Leonard fought Duran, the wrong way, the wrong way, but it was the right way. Wrong was right that night. Getting knocked down for Garcia is wrong, but it was right. It was right. It was perfect because he got up, because he gave everyone a chance to see that he was more than just a good-looking kid that had a big following on social media that didn't deserve it. Same thing, that's the first thing I thought about with Sugar Ray Leonard, Ken, when he fought Durant. That when he fought him toe-to-toe -to -toe with the great hands of stone, Durant, who was a great lightweight champ, one of the greatest of all time, moving up to welterweight, when he fought him, and he fought him in the kind of way that I just described, toe-to-toe -toe fight. Instead of using his talents on the outside, he just fought him. And he came away and he lost, but he won. Because he won the respect of everybody, of the fight fan. And he found out he answered a call to himself. You see that movie, The Call of the Wild? Well, there's a call of the wild inside yourself. And he answered it. Every fighter has to answer it. And Garcia answered it for himself, for the fans, and for himself. That he knows who he is now, who he can be when he has to be. Very important to know. 
Now he's got to go back to fighting the kind of fight that he needs to fight technically and physically to suit him to give him the best chance to always win fights. He's got to do that with the knowledge that he's got that in the back if he needs it. With the knowledge that he's got that if that call comes, that he can be that person. He can find a way. He can be that guy. And he he reminded me of the night that Errol Spence won the title against um, Brook. Kel Brook. Kel Brook. He had to go over to London, which is tough, you know, because big, big following over there with the guys over there. And he had to go into his home, into, you know, the beehive, so to speak, and fight Kel Brook. And he went over there. And it wasn't his greatest technical performance that night, Errol Spence. He's had much better ones before and after. But there was one thing that there was there. You knew, if you know what you're looking at, you knew and I knew when I watched that fight, there was no way he was leaving that ring over there in London without that title. You know, come hook or crook, you know, storm, high water, hurricanes, There was no way he was leaving that ring without the title. That force was in him, was inside him. That that attitude, that mentality was there. And again, it didn't really add up to him fighting his best fight or his best performance with all the talents that he has and that he showed us before that and after that. But it didn't matter. Because there was only one purpose of being there that night. Win the fight! And he and he, he won the fight. And to me, I saw the same thing in Garcia. I saw the same thing. It wasn't his best performance. He's going to have better performances. I know he's had better already, but it was with lev- lesser level opponents. So people are going to say, Teddy, we don't want to hear about that. All right, we won't talk about that. But he's going to have better performances. He's going to have to. He's going to show all his his length. He's going to show his ability to control range. He didn't show all of that. His ability to do other things and to be consistent in the range and the the range that he needs to be consistent in the areas in the geometry, the geography of the ring that I always talk about that he's going to need to fight in to be successful at the highest levels to use the assets that he has to their utmost he's he's gonna have to learn that but on this night Ken on the night with Campbell he did a lot of things good we know that but he was he had that force inside him he had that look he had that feel about him the same way Errol Spence did when he was over in London against Kel Brook that he wasn't going to be denied. That he wasn't freaking leaving there without the title. He had that. Now he's got to equate it. He's got to adjust it where that confidence, that mentality, that knowledge, that question that's been answered is, is there. But he fights the kind of fight with the assets that he has on a consistent basis
from now on that he needs, that this brings out the best in him. And I think it will. It's the kind of fight that will allow him to have fed the beast. You have to feed the beast. He fed the beast that we all have in us in whatever competition we live in that has to show that we can be that good. We can be that tough. We can be that dependable. We can be that real. He fed that beast. He knows that beast now is there. Now he's got to be the other thing, guy. The one thing I want to ask you is, I, I saw a lot of people were critical of his defense, and like you said, not his best but performance. But that's why I'm saying this. Right, but let's not take away the fact that Luke Campbell is an Olympic gold medalist who went the distance with Loma, could have easily got the decision over Linares. He's as good as, he's he's top top tier guy, like top three or four guy in, in the world at that weight. So, of course, he's going to have his moments as well. With the exception of the knockdown and a couple of good shots he landed, I thought Garcia bossed him around the ring from the from the jump. He looked awesome. I mean, yeah, he had some deficiencies here and there, but how, how, how much do you think of that was Ryan making mistakes versus Campbell just being a, a, an Olympic gold medalist? I think it was a combination of what you just brought up and what I'm talking about. That his mindset was... I'm, I'm going to repeat myself because it needs to be repeated because it's that accurate, I believe. His mindset was, I ain't leaving this freaking place without that freaking belt over there. I see where they got it, where they got it. They got it over there. The guy from the organization's got it over there. I, I, I'm getting it. That, that interferes with your performance a little bit. No, I'm not making excuses. He won the damn fight. Nobody got to make excuses for this kid. He deserves all the accolades that... He's getting, and he should get, because he got off the freaking floor and won. He did what we want our champions to do. He behaved like a freaking fighter, like a champion. But there will be other people that were saying he was on the floor, things that you just touched on. And again, I believe that his mindset was so strong and ready to handle whatever came, hail, thunderstorms, lightning, whatever the frick might have came in that ring, that he wasn't going to dance around all of it. <laughs> he was going to walk through it. He was going to do what he had to do to be a champion. And I think that's part of the explanation for what we're touching on. And when we broke this fight down, for the people, and a lot of people watched our pre-fight episode where we did our analysis of the fight. We talked about, we. I mean, you hate to say you're right on, I mean, but we, we were on a, where we're supposed to be if we know what we're talking about. Where, first of all, it was two counterpunches. Somebody, and I remember saying this, and I said it's going to be the younger kid, the 11-year younger kid who believes it's his time. It's his time, his destiny. He's been waiting for this, thinking about this. That it was the 11-year-old one that would do this. That one of them would have to find a way to take charge, to be the boss. You used the word a minute ago. Perfect, perfect to be the boss. One guy was going to, and still not give up himself to counterpunch. Well, he did a little bit, but still not compromise himself in that department too much. But it, they were both going to look in the mirror for a minute because they are both counterpunches. One of them was the Southpaw, Campbell. And 
Garcia wasn't getting what he usually gets, a cooperative style that comes in where he can pick him off. He was getting a guy that was going to think like he thinks about making you make mistakes, taking advantage of those mistakes, creating offense on the back end, not on the front end. As I said in our pre-fight analysis, it was going to take somebody to find a way to create offense on the front end, off the jab, and to be aggressive. Whoever was going to be that guy, the guy that was going to take charge and put his hand up in the air, that's me! Put his hand up and say, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to press this fight behind the jab. I'm going to create behind the jab. There was going to be some difficulty. But at the end of the day, it was going to take that out. That was going to be the winner. That was going to be the guy who separated himself from two from two counterpunches. From two counterpunches. That was going to be the guy that stepped out in the light and said, no, I'm different. I'm different tonight because I have to be different tonight. And that's what you saw. And in doing it, he did get compromised a little bit. But his attitude, it was like Customato used to tell me. He used to say, Teddy, we're going to teach these guys how to get away from punches. Where we don't want them to get touched. We don't want them to get hit. But at the same time, we're going to also teach them to have an attitude that if they do get hit, it's going to have the impact, the effect of a raindrop hitting a windshield. Nothing. It's going to splatter right off. We, we, and it sounds contradictory. You know, it does. Because at one minute you're saying you want to teach the guy to be slick, <coughs> careful, smart, elusive. And then at the other side you want to say you want an attitude that if you get hit here, it's like a raindrop hitting the windshield of a car and splattering off. It's got no effect. Yeah. Yeah, you do want that. You do want that as the backup, as, as, as the core of what you are. Yeah, the fighter of who you are. That has to be there. And that was there for Garcia. And he was the boss. As soon as the fight started, he took charge. And he was the boss. And he did use his jab. His jab, for the most part, was a real snappy jab where Campbell was pushing it, looking for the counter. You know, he snapped it. He caught Garcia a couple of times, but he pushed it a lot too. Before the fight started, and I tweeted out, I tweeted this out. Before the fight started, my man Rob, he's the man, he got it right up. He got it right up for me right away. But they were in the corner. McGuigan, Barry McGuigan's son is a trainer over there. Uh, he's doing a good job. He was the trainer of Campbell. And they're in the corner just before they're going to come out. And I see, I'm watching, just like if I was doing a commentary. I, I'm doing what I did over the years when I was doing comedy. I'm watching everything. And I'm watching because you can pick up things sometimes. You really can. And I see the trainers just showing him, illustrating to Campbell, throw the chair low and then come up high with the left. I said, I got to tweet this out right away. Because if I was sitting ringside, that's what I would be telling the audience. Right away, something to look for. Something to expect. So I tweeted right away to Rob, and he got it right up, that don't be surprised if you find Campbell jabbing low and coming up high somewhere in the fight. And sure enough, we didn't have to wait long. What was it, the third round, Ken, where the knockdown came? It was second. Second round. Sure enough, two rounds we only had to wait. And sure, he, he jabs low, bang, he comes up high, and he catches him with the left hand, and he drops him, and he tests him. 
and we have the perfect script because if he comes back, he gets everything. He gets everything, and he got everything, and you, he earns it, and he earned it. But every once in a while, Ryan was standing too straight up, and to the credit of the trainer, even though they lost, he recognized that. He said, if you jab low, you can make him comfortable standing straight, and then you can come up and catch him. He was thinking the same way I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, boy, this trainer... He's on a ball here. He's thinking exactly what I would be thinking. And sure enough, sure enough, he caught him. And some people will say, well, Campbell's not a big punch. He's not. <clears throat> he's not. He's, a, he's not a big punch. But as you said, he's a certain level fighter that knows how to deliver the punches. And most of all, he delivered a punch that Garcia, because he was set up, because the jab to the body brought his eyes down, instead of having his eyes where they should have been, he got caught with a punch he never saw. That's going to impact you more. That's going to impact you more. So he got caught a punch. So for the people who want to say, oh, he's got no... Throw that out. He got caught a punch, a perfect punch, by a quality fighter that he never saw, never had time to register that punch as it was coming. Um, and again... There were certain things we talked about in the pre-fight that I felt good about, that we talked about on our podcast. One of the facts, and it played out, Ken, one of the facts was Garcia's forte, his, his Sunday punch, right? His, his signature punch, if you will, is his counter left hook. And it works against orthodox fighters for the most part. Why? Because... They got the right hand back. Sometimes you change distance, which Garcia does, because you got to know how to set the guy up. You're a counterpuncher. It's like being a good fisherman. You got to have the right lure, the right bait to get the fish to jump on the hook. That's it. So you take a little step back. You get the orthodox fighter reaching with the right hand. Bang! Bang! You counter with the left hook. But when you're fighting a southpaw, as Garcia was against Campbell, and as we said on the podcast, Ken, that, that's different now. It's not there. Now you don't. Now that right hand with the southpaw is the lead hand, the jabbing hand, where he's not going to be reckless with that punch. It's a safety punch. It's a jab with distance. It's not going to be a power punch where you reach in and you give the position that Garcia, the counterpuncher, is looking for to be effective, to land that counterpunch. Now you're dealing with a jab that if it's thrown for the most part at the right distance, it's hard to counter with that hook. It's very hard. Because if you're throwing it in a safe way that jabs are supposed to be thrown from the right distance, you're not going to give up the position that an orthodox fighter would give up by reaching it with the right hand. So you're not going to be prone to make the mistakes as much. And sure enough, we said it. We said, so that counter left hook that's his best punch, that's not going to be available to him. Don't expect that to be available to him tonight. He's going to have to do it by using a jab and using a southpaw killer. Make the adjustment now to rely more on a jab and a straight right hand, which he did which he did to his credit. This kid deserves credit. He's a smart kid. He, he adjusted and he used the right, and he scored with the right hand very well. Now listen, he did land one of his counter punches, his counter signature left hook once. Why? Well, because Campbell didn't use his jab and he reached in with the left hand 
and he gave himself the position or he got himself into the position where the counter left hook of Garcia could be there, could be effective. And he landed it. But Campbell survived it. He had the experience. He survived it. But other than that one spot, that one spot, the hook wasn't there. He tried a couple times. And again, it showed me the IQ of, of Garcia. He tried a couple times, Ken, where he tried to time the left hook over the jab of of Campbell, where Campbell be thrown at Southport jab, and he tried to pop, he tried to pop, counter the left hook right over it, but he couldn't quite get the timing of it. You know, he was hoping that maybe Campbell make a mistake, throw the jab from a little too close. He never, so he went back to what was working, what made sense. What was it? The jab and the right hand. That turned out to be the thing that he was going to need that night, and to be the boss, the attitude to push him back, to be the boss. And um, I just wanted to mention that because we talked about it, it played out, and the kid, to his credit, because you got to be smart to be a champion or to stay a champion, you have to have this muscle working too. And he showed that this muscle works. And he uh, he showed me the things that you want a guy to show you. Uh, I, I know... You know, it's funny because I was talking about that joke last week when we were doing a pre-fight analysis about the priest, the fight priest at the fight club that when when the, uh, the fans would all be standing around at the fight club, you know, watching the fights and the priest would be there every week and one of the fighters came in, he kneeled down, he crossed himself. He looked up, and one of the fight fans turned to the priest, Father, does that help? And he says, only if you can fight, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this is beautiful, and, and, we were too, and it's perfect because we talked about that. That's what it was going to come down to. Does the social media help? Does the 7 million followers help? Does the good looks help? Does the articulation, he's so articulate, does that help? Only if you can fight, son. And he proved. <laughs> and that's what it came down to. And he proved. Ryan, congratulations, Ryan, because you answered that question. Not only can he fight, he will fight. He's the whole package from the from the grand entrance on the throne, which I thought was a bit much. And I remember texting you saying, he better look good after this entrance with the crown and the throne. And he lived up to all the hype. I mean, he delivered. <laughs> You got your own crown? <laughs> I I borrowed it for my grandson. It was for, see I had to my wife said, please, please don't put your head's too big, you know. <laughs> don't put it on. And please if you put it on, don't turn it this way because they'll see that it was for his birthday. Okay? It was it was for his birthday. But you know what? Ryan, you gotta win. It's kind of like, it's almost like you put yourself in that position, Ken. I know my take is usually different than other people's, but I, I remember one time I saw a fighter. I was doing a pre-fight uh, preparation before the fight for ESPN and we're doing the uh, interviews. And I seen this fighter who was the, you know, he was the main event and he was undefeated and he was trying to build himself to be a world champion. And because that's obviously that's the goal. And he he had a big tattoo 
of gloves, you know, hanging like a chain, right? I don't have to say who it is. If I if somebody really wants to know, I'll tell them. But that's not the point. I saw that, and people were like, "Whoa, whoa!" So my directors, my you know, all my guys at ESPN were like, "Ted, gee, you, uh, you ever see that?" I said, well, "I'm sure other guys have it, but that was pretty. It was pretty uh, out there. You know what I mean? It, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty." Uh, it made a statement. It was pretty strong to have it like that. And they said, gee. And one guy said to me, wouldn't it be, and he, he, he said exactly what I was thinking and what I said that night on the air. He said, Ted, wouldn't that be embarrassing if uh, you have that and you don't win? And I said, exactly. Exactly. You want to take my headphone and be the commentator tonight? Because you hit it. <laughs> You hit exactly what I'm going to talk about tonight. And sometimes people put themselves in a position where they're dared to be great. They're, where they put it on themselves that if they put the pressure on themselves where they have to succeed. They have to because they put that light on themselves. They took on that, that, that weight with that attention that if they don't win, they are going to be embarrassed, that they have to win, that there are no options. And I thought about that. I thought about that. I, I know it's the promotion and it's the promoters looking to make money and making a big thing. And, and we saw it We saw it with Fury when they brought him in, you know, when they brought him in on the, on the, on the throne and all that stuff. No one know. was carrying Fury, though. I think he was yeah. on like a hydraulic, uh, you know, <laughs> well, construction Fury, lift. Well, well, Fury's like 280 pounds, so you would probably <laughs> need that. But, you know, and all that. But I thought that. I thought, you know, in some ways, I know the promoter's doing it because his name is King Ryan and they want to pump it up and obviously they think he's going to win the fight and all that stuff. He's the favorite, but you never know. But I thought the fighter still has to let himself go along with it. The fighter's very savvy. We we talked about that. He's he's very smart business wise with with the way he does things at such a young age. But he is. He's sharp, and he's the kind of kid that if he didn't think it made sense, he probably might even be one of the guys, one of the few guys that would say no. But that's the first thing that hit me was. Yeah, he wants the light on him. He wants to make sure that there's no margin. There's no out. There's no area for an out here that I better freaking perform because I'm putting myself right in the light of it. If I don't, I'm going to look like you know what. And so <laughs> I, 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 I thought of that. And I have to say that... um a lot of people were going to probably say, like you touched on it, it's a bit much, it's this, it's being disrespectful maybe, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're saying, but no, I looked at it that way. And look, it's a show, it's a showman business. This, this is a entertainment business. Never forget that. First, you got to be able to fight, but once you can fight, all that stuff means something. And matter of fact, all you need for proof, Ken, and we touched on this before we started the show today. We started talking about it, and then I stopped because I wanted—I didn't want to go too far on it. But Exhibit A, proof, 
that it's about those things, if you can fight, is that he's not even a champion. <laughs> he doesn't have a title. He, I mean, he's a champion. To me, he did what you have to do in that ring to be a champion. He's a champion. <clears throat> but I'm being very technical now. And for the fans and for us and for the sake of what we do. He doesn't have a title, a, a real legitimate title yet. You know, he, he's the one. So out of all the guys there, Davis. Uh, Devin Haney. With Haney, Lopez, um, Tank Davis. With all those guys with titles, right? That doesn't always make you legitimate either. But the, the they got titles. He's the only one without that real title. Yet he was talked about as though he had one because he does for two reasons. One, the way he behaved. And two, now the promotional stuff. Now the good looks. Now the following. Now the being articulate. Now the image. Now it means something. Now it means something. Now... That's his title. He has, he's got his legitimate title, maybe more than all of them. That's the crazy. I know people are going to, good, come on, come on. I know people are going to go, Lopez would do this. Davis would do this. You know, Haney, go ahead. That's why you're a fan. That's great. That's, that's great that you got these guys in one division that you can argue, excuse <coughs> me, and you can talk about these fights. That's great. But what I just said, it's true that he's got something that they don't have. They're talking about him already more than the others because he's got the ability to be the golden goose that lays the golden eggs to be Canelo. He's got the chance to be that guy to make that special money where they all want to fight him to get that money. That's his title. That's his title. He's got that. Whether they like it or not. And that's legitimate. Because he made it legitimate. With the way he behaved. So now I ask you a question, Ken. Because uh, it's a Devin good, Haney. I, Devin Haney technically is the WBC champ at the weight. And, uh, but he was given that title because they elevated Lomachenko. So they could make the Lopez fight. Blah, blah, blah. But Devin Haney never beat anyone for that title. And look, I have no problem with Devin Haney. I actually like him a lot. And I'm looking forward to that fight. But I, in my opinion... Why does he have the real title and, and, and Ryan Garcia has a silver title for beating Luke Campbell? Luke Campbell is better than anyone that Devin Haney's beaten. Yeah, but it's in the but in all fairness, and I never stick up for these organizations. They're so so oh, forget about it. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. But <laughs> but it is about who's there first. It yeah. is about who's online first. You know, who it is about the progression. You yeah. know, and and he was there at that time to fight for the title. So he's got it. So there's no arguing. There's no arguing with me there. But because I wouldn't want to argue because you don't have to. Because he's going to get his chance. That's right. Because he's already got it now. He's got all the attention. He's got all the, all the everybody is, is clamoring, clamoring to be around this kid, to talk about this kid because of the things we said. And because... He got dropped because he got dropped and he got up. And, and it, there's a precedent for it in, in my business, in our business. The same thing, it, getting dropped can make you a millionaire. <laughs> as long as you get up. Look what it did for Fury. 
Yeah, good point. Look what it did. I mean, Fury doesn't get dropped in that Wilder fight and get up. He ain't Fury. (laughs) Actually, I'll go back even like another 10 or 15 years when he got dropped against Steve Cunningham on like a afternoon show on a random Saturday. I remember he got dropped by Steve Cunningham and I was like, and he was a big loudmouth. I had never seen him before. And I was like, get this guy Cunningham and Fury got up and then beat the crap out of him. And then that's when I became aware of Tyson Fury, but it was just a random card. But that's the first time he got up. And Cunningham was a cruiserweight. Yes. He, yep. he, had, he had been a cruiserweight champion, moved up in weight, but he was a smaller guy, cruiserweight. And look, again, not that we look to talk about this off of bringing this up, but again, it's got to do with, you know, a lot of people right there might have said, oh, the guy's got no chin. They would have been wrong. They would have been yep. wrong. It's 100%. got to get what you get caught, where you get caught, how you get caught. And when I saw that fight, I thought Fury looked very raw. He was just wild in there. And, and at times, I still think he looks wild, but he's crafty. Um, quick question. So now they're talking about... Um, Garcia against um, Tank Davis, and they're looking at the knockdown. Oh, Luke Campbell knocked him down. If um, if Tank catches him, he'll kill him. Tank's a puncher. That's a big that's if. True. If. That's Remember a, that word. That's, that's a big word. Big word. Here's, here's what I say before I get your opinion. Luke Campbell, again, is an Olympic gold medalist, and yes, he caught him, but I would say Tank Davis also was like, you know, in a razor thin fight when he finally caught up with Leo Santa Cruz, who was a 118 pounder coming up from 126 up to 130. Okay, he knocked him out cold, but that Ryan Garcia is a huge step up in competition for Tank. Can he catch him clean? Because if he boxes the way he did against Santa Cruz, I think Ryan Garcia is going to land plenty of shots on Tank first. I don't know. It's a super intriguing fight to me, but I'm curious to hear what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, listen, it's a it's an interesting matchup. It's you know it's Frazier and Ali. You know, to, just to get to the point quick to make a you know to make an optics to put optics out there. You know, it, it's a guy that's the big puncher coming after you uh, against a guy who's got to control the ring and box and use those skills and and be that guy, but. Uh, I will say, and then I'll get thoroughly to the point of where I want to go, but don't count Davis short on just being a seek-and-destroy guy. He's got instincts to counterpunch. I'm sure Ryan's smart enough to notice that. Um, he's got instincts to counterpunch, too. Um, he, he's, he's, a, he's not just a walk-in guy. He's not just a puncher. He's more than that. He's much more skilled than that. And that's what finally got him to the chin of the smaller Santa Cruz. You're right. No doubt about it, Ken. But what got him to it was his ability to make a miss and then catch him that vicious uppercut that he caught him with. But he did it by basically counterpunching in an aggressive stance. But still, the outcome was he was making a miss and counterpunching. So... There's a little more to him, maybe a lot more to him than just meets the eye. But it would be a terrific fight to watch. Um, It'd be a different Garcia in there than what you saw with Campbell. 
People have to understand that. If Davis is going to win, he has to understand that. And I think he does because Mayweather is with him and Mayweather is brilliant. And, and he'd make sure he understood if he didn't understand it. But I think instinctually, as a fighter, Davis would understand. That ain't the Garcia you're going to see. He proved what he's going to prove. And he had to prove. He ain't in there to prove that he could get up off the floor against Davis. Because you don't want to do that with a puncher. Because it's a whole different caliber puncher. There's no doubt about that. But the key is, that ain't the guy you're going to see in the ring if he does get in there eventually with Davis. Because he's he fed that beast already, as I said earlier. He fed that beast. He, he answered that question for himself. Now it's going to be kept in its place. Now he's going to bring out the guy that he's got to bring out if he's going to move forward and be the terrific fighter he wants to be, to have the terrific great career that he wants to have he's rather than just have one big night he's gonna have to be that guy that does the things that he's good at that his abilities are there to do that his abilities are the kind of abilities that have to be used in a way that he's used them to get to this place where he's a counterpuncher where he uses that long reach with the jab, where he controls range, where he keeps the shorter Davis in the geometry that's bad for Davis and good for Garcia, where he keeps him one step behind him all night, where he keeps him on the outside, makes him pay a price, as I used to say on ESPN Corner Fights, where he's like a real estate agent. That's, that's what Garcia has to be, where... He controls real estate where he charges the customer to get in. He doesn't charge them, you know, money. He charges them punches. Oh, you want to you wanna eat up three feet of my real estate? <laughs> okay. It's going to cost you four punches before you get in. He's got to be that guy, and he will be that guy. And if Davis can be what he needs to be to still get to him and land the big shot, oh, it'll be an interesting, it'll be a hell of an interesting thing to see that. But it's a big if, because it's all about can Davis close the gaps, because it won't be like it was with Campbell. He won't be, he won't be, he won't be, obliging that's the word I was looking for he won't be obliging the way he was to Campbell where he's standing right there right there at the end of his punches ready to fight with him like he did that night no he won't be cooperative that way he'll be the he'll be the Garcia he needs to be now with the with that confidence with that knowledge that he can he's shown what he can do now he'll show what he has to do he already showed what he could do. Now he will show what he has to do. He has to control range. He has to use his jab. He has to set traps. He has to use the ring. He'll be that guy. And Davis will have to show that he's got an answer for that. It'll be a hell of a good match. It'll be a very... If Davis has his fans, don't forget, he's got plenty of fans. Plenty of guys behind him. Garcia's got his now. That'd be the only thing I would ask about that fight is when it takes place. Because 
my only question would be, would I want to give Garcia another fight? I think Davis has the edge with experience. You know, he's he's got the edge with experience there uh, as far as being in with certain level fighters. Garcia, does he need another fight? That that would be the only question. I think he could probably handle it now if they, if they go for it now. But I would think that if you could have another one, you want to have another one. And I would think that that'd probably be, for me, knowing the sport, that would be the road that they would, they would probably take the same road. But again, yes, that'd be, I'd like to see that fight. If you saw the Haney fight, I'll go right down the list. If you saw the Haney fight with Garcia, that's different. That's less danger for Garcia uh, because Haney's a terrific boxer, but he's not the power puncher that Davis is for one shot. He's a clean boxer. He's a he's a guy that's got a little bit of the mentality Garcia has, where he looks at counter. You know, they'd be looking in the mirror a little bit, where you might really see a chess match, where Haney, Haney's a he doesn't waste anything. He's sharp. You know, he's got good hand speed, uh, technically very solid. He's a careful guy. That's his temperament. Both guys are very similar. The real Garcia and Haney are very similar, where they like to counter, they like to be cautious, they like to think in there, um, you know, uh, that they like to show their technique. Haney's a real good technician. He's a sharpshooter, uh, you know, but again, he's a guy that's going to play it on the safe. He's going to play it on the safe side of the street. He ain't going to be in the middle of traffic. No, 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 no. So you're going to get a whole different fight over there. And then, of course, you got the other guy that a lot of people think is at the top of the list. And listen, he deserves to be at the top of the list right now in beating the top guy. He beat Lomachenko, the number one guy, unless you had Crawford number one. But either way, or, or you had Canelo number one, but either way, Lomachenko was one of the top three guys. He beat him. Lopez went out there, and he's a young kid, just just like just like Garcia. He's 22 years old or 23, whatever. But he's a young kid, where there's a lot of upside. How will he grow? How will he continue to grow? Will he grow from that performance, or will that performance get to his head and that'll be the you know be a letdown after beating Lomachenko? He'll never have that performance again. You know which way is he gonna go? But that would be an interesting fight. In that fight, the way I would size that one up, again, you'd have to have Garcia controlling range, looking to take advantage of force Lopez to do what Lopez forced Lomachenko to do. Come in. Come, come. You want it? Come get it. To come in and take chances coming in. Well, now Lopez, because of the size... You know, because of Garcia's physical assets being longer, taller, right? Now it would be reversed. Now Lopez would have to come get it. He couldn't play the game where he keeps uses that jab and he, he keeps Lomachenko on the outside and makes him makes him pay to get in. He'd have to take the risk. He'd have to be the guy coming in. Where Garcia would be in his comfort zone, you know to a certain extent, of fight, being able to fight his fight. So they're all intriguing. They're all intriguing matches. Maybe the most intriguing, 
maybe it's the one you mentioned first, uh, Ken. If I had to pick one, the Davis, because of the power. Because everyone loves power. Everyone, everyone loves power. Oh, power. You know, it could be a knockout. You know, and so that, that, would, that would be the most enticing part. Well, let's not forget Garcia's power. His last two knockouts were vicious. Oh, listen, Garcia, I said going into this fight, listen, neither guy had physicality. Neither one of them. They're wiry guys. Him and Campbell, they, had, they didn't have physicality. But there was an excuse to a certain extent that you have to, you have to, you have to figure in if you know what you're trying to figure in this game. You have to figure it in. And what that was, was Garcia was only 22. He, his body hadn't matured yet. He, he didn't get that man strength yet where people talk about it, that man strength. But you know what? On that night, I saw a difference. It looked like he got his man strength. It looked like his body had changed. It looked like it was maturing. It looked like it was getting stronger. He looked like the stronger. I figured he'd be the stronger guy. But he wasn't known for physicality. As I said, neither guy was. But that night, you could see he's starting to, his body's starting to fill out. And he looks stronger. Maybe he's on a weight program too, whatever. But he's starting to fill out. And you could see he had the edge and strength. And he knew it. He was stronger here and he was stronger here. He felt like the stronger guy here. And that was important. That was important. Yeah. And, and Reynoso, his trainer, maybe he did that. He put him on a weight program, whatever. But it was important. You got to, because... He had to be the boss that night. He had to feel like you said at the beginning. He could push the guy around. And he did. He did feel like that. You know, he made that mistake, but he overcame it. But he did feel like that. He pushed the guy around. And he did show strength. And he'll continue to show strength. You know, he'll never have to physique of Tank Davis. It's a whole different genetics. But he's got his own strength. And there was no doubt who the puncher was in that fight. It was never Campbell. It was always Garcia. Garcia just doesn't present himself the way people are comfortable with looking at punches, where they're seeing Mike Tyson, Joe Frazier, you know, George Foreman. But the most dangerous punches in the history of this sport, really, put those guys aside, have been wiry guys, thin guys. They get leverage. I always talked about that on ESPN. They get talk. They get leverage in their punches. Bob Foster, the great light heavyweight champ. Oh, my God. Oh, what a puncher. You know, Alexis Oguello, Carlos Zarate, the bantamweight champion. Oh, well, these guys were like this. They looked like they needed a meal. Ken, you would have invited your kind guy. You would have invited him in your house for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> you said, come in here. You got to eat something. Come on. I mean... Lou, if you really want to go back to the 30s, Lou Jenkins, a lot of the fans out there, look him up. Lou Jenkins, skinny son of a gun, lightweight champ, one of the greatest punches of all time. Oh, skinny as, as heck, but he could punch like a son of a gun. So I think Garcia falls into that category. You know, he might not satisfy everyone for what they want to see when they say, oh, I'm looking at a puncher, but he will when he hits you. <laughs> he, yeah. well, he, he of all win. the opponents we talked about, I would the Devin Haney fight's got to be the easiest to make in terms of um, logistics, just given that they're both with the zone. I, I mean, I think that 
I think everyone probably wants to see Tank Davis the most, but I think that presents the most challenges with uh, PBC and DAZN trying to work that out. He's like PB, he's uh, he's one of PBC Mayweather and Mayweather's Al Heyman top guys. Tank Davis, they view him as a pay per view superstar, and I'd argue that Ryan Garcia is probably in the. Well, top now you're of talking like, about the fight, the fight that's always the main fight. See that yeah, the fight exactly. of the two men are always really the secondary fight. The main fight is yep. the politics. The business. Yep. That's always the first fight. You know. But if one guy if one guy in the sport has proven an ability to get things done right now, I, I lean heavily towards um Eddie Hearn and his ability to make things happen. He seems to be willing to work with anyone. He doesn't have that deep rooted hatred that Bob and Al have to seem seem to have for each other. So who knows? Let's hope that that happens. But that's a pretty thorough coverage of the of the Garcia fight. What's next for Garcia? Just for uh, for the listeners, we're hoping to be back next week with a conversation with Ryan Garcia. He's been on the show before. We're hoping to have him on again. We have a whole slew of fights coming up in January in the UFC, including Dustin Poirier, friend of the show, versus Conor McGregor. Uh, maybe we'll have a conversation with Conor again before his uh, upcoming fight. But a lot... Uh, Sorry, Dustin. There's a lot of a um, lot of um, lot of exciting things happening in the UFC this month. Three fights in a, three three weekends in a row over at Fight Island. But um, before we sign off, Teddy, you got anything? And one more thing, guys. If you'd like to have um, if you'd like to receive a message from Teddy, um, please check out Cameo. Go to Cameo.com. Search Teddy Atlas. I've seen some of the messages. There's some of them are quite inspirational and uh, some really beautiful stuff there, Teddy. Um, that's Cameo. Check it out. Cameo.com. Search for Teddy Atlas if you'd like a message from Teddy. Uh, Teddy, you got anything before we say goodbye? Yeah, I got a, just real quick a couple of things. I can't help it. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I, I have to throw in this thing, and I think some of our fans are such avid, well, not only avid fans, but intelligent and so deep into the, they notice things. Uh, I'm, we're not the only one who notices. But, you know, with all the turmoil with Oscar De La Hoya, you know, with Canelo leaving him and, there was some, you know, friction with, with all his fighters, Garcia, everybody, you know. I, uh, he was there, of course. He's, he's the promoter still. And I just couldn't help it, Ken. But when I saw him there, I saw obviously he wasn't in the locker room. Uh, Canelo was in the locker room. I didn't see the lawyer <laughs> there. But Canelo was there with his stable mates with Garcia and, and close to him, which is nice to see. You know, they have the same trainer. And his trainer did a tremendous job, Reynoso. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I just couldn't help it. And I, I, I told Rob to be ready with this. So <laughs> I, where De La Hoya reminded me where he's fighting for his life. You know, here's a fighter who was a hell of a fighter. He was. And he's made all kinds of money from, you know, and he's one of those, he was a pioneer too, to give him credit, where... He got to the point, he had a guy named Richard Schaefer who later on, they, they, they went enemies against each other. But he had a guy who helped him set up his own, where basically he left Aram. And like, you don't need to have be given money to a promoter. You're a star. You can promote yourself and keep it all. You, you don't need any more to have a promoter. And, and he was right. And he went to another level, making money and 
Golden Boy was born, Golden Boy Promotions. But he was a pioneer because after him, the the great Mayweather did the same thing. And Mayweather was right, 100% right. And he had good guys. Heyman helped him. He had smart guys around him that helped him. And you don't know if that eventually will become the path for this kid, this young kid. You know, you have to get to that point first. But you could just see it, Ken, with Dilo Hoyan <laughs> is aware of what's happened in his life and where he's on the outs with certain situations and stuff. And basically, like I said, fighting for his life as a promoter now. So when I saw him, like, poking his head in there, it was almost sad. But, but you know, it was real. And, and I saw him after the fight and the post-fight stuff that, you know, with the interviews with, with Ryan Garcia and everything, uh, and with his crown still on. The kid's a kid. He's proud of it. You, you got to like it. You got to appreciate it. He's proud. He's like a kid. I like to see someone behave like a kid, to, the, yeah. the sincerity. Because I got my grandchildren. It reminds me every day. That's the only sincere time that you really know that there's a sincerity, there's a realness in people. It's, it's yep. genuine. And so that was genuine. He was proud. He had that crowd. And look, it didn't look nearly as hokey as it did when they put it on poor Mike Tyson. He was young too. <laughs> but he yeah. was young too, but the poor guy. But when they put that after he unified the belt, they gave him the scepter, they gave him the, the robe, and, and you know, uh, he, you know, they had him looking like Conan the Barbarian coming out, you know, like he's got all, and he's got the thing on. and But... People said that started looking a little, whatever, silly. Um, but Ryan's there just with the crown, not the other stuff that they gave Tyson. And I have to say this. The crown didn't fit. It was <laughs> uh, No, they didn't measure it too good. I don't know if they took it from someone else, but they, they didn't measure it because it was too big. But I want it to stay too big. I do, because I really like this kid. He's a good kid. Yeah. I think he could be very good for boxing. Uh, and other people can too. I'm not saying they, but I think this kid, uh, he can be an ambassador in a way that not everyone can be. And I I hope it stays too big because if it fits him one day, it means his head grew too much. <laughs> and and <laughs> so, I, so I hope that it stays too big, Ryan. I hope it does, Ryan. And I hope that, I'm getting a little bit off track here. I'll go back. But as long as I'm on this track, I hope you stay the great kid you are and I think he will because he's got the right people because these young kids that suddenly get something in their life that they never knew for sure they were going to have money and fame they hope they do but they never know until it comes they need help the football players do too Ken the basketball players that's why I give so much credit to a guy like LeBron James you had to have someone around you or or Michael Jordan, whoever, that they take that kind of fame at such a young age, such a young age, and they handle it. Because there's so many that don't. We forget that. But there's so many that don't. I think Tyson would be the first one to say that he probably wishes he had someone around him to help him. You know, LeBron James, his, his production company produces the game show The Wall. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a huge hit. My kids watch it every day. It's like a TV game show, and I didn't realize it, but LeBron James and his production company with Maverick Carter, they produced that. He's, like, diversified into everything. LeBron James has done a great job he's with his brand. He's had the right people. Listen, he deserves credit, but he's had the right people around him. 
hundred percent. And it's so important, Ken. How many times do we? Well, we we don't look at them because we don't. They don't advertise it the way they advertise the successes. But there's more people that don't make it that 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 blow it than that don't blow it. If you're going to be honest about it, of course. And that's why these guys are so special. I give them so much credit. It's hard. You know how hard it is for these NFL young kids coming out of nothing. They had nothing, and all of a sudden they're making millions of dollars. It's hard, and and the teams realize it. The teams try to put life coaches with them, advisors with, but it doesn't always work. Not always. Somebody doesn't always have the right person with them. I think this kid does. It's very important. I think his father is one of them. I think that that that's the kind of father I think that he has, and I think that. Canelo is important for him because Canelo's like a big brother. And Canelo's one of those guys we'll talk about without mentioning his name. Look at what this guy's done. And you never hear nothing bad about the guy. Look look at the credit this Canelo should get. We don't give it to him. We don't even think about it. Maybe that's the greatest compliment you could give the kid, that you don't even think about it. But Canelo, with, he's turned pro when he was 15. 15 or 16. And all the money that this guy signed, the $365 million contract with the zone or 360, whatever it was. At the time, it was the biggest sports contract there was at the time. He, Look at him. He's a good kid. He's got the right people. I, I, he, he deserves credit. But Reynoso, his trainer, has been, I guess, like a father uh, to him. He's mentored him. He, he's got to get some credit for being more than a guy that tells him when to throw a jab. He's got to get credit for being more than that with all the temptation, with all the money, with all the attention that he's gotten, with all the things that could have went wrong. Reynoso has to get credit for being part of it. So whoever else Canelo had in his life, he had the right people in his life. And you got to give him credit for the way he's become, the way he's matured, the person that he shows himself to be. I think that those are all positive, important things for the success, the real success, the real success, you know, of of a kid like Garcia with so much potential, that he's got someone like Canelo who's mature, who's gone through it, who understands the pitfalls in front of him, that that he can continue to mentor him, be a big brother to him, and like I said, his trainer is doing what a trainer really should do. Yeah, you should teach him to move his head, yes, and to cover straight back, yes. And to throw punches short, not fat. Yes. And to control range. Yes. But also, you should be there to teach them about life. To make sure that they truly have a chance to be successful. Not just in the ring with their fists, but afterwards with their life. With their decisions outside the ring. So I want to give those... I wanted to say that. Those, because then... You see the other ones, whether it's in our business or whatever sport, where, where a lot of money comes fast, where they don't have the right person, the right people, and it doesn't go so good. Give Mayweather, as long as I'm giving credit, give Mayweather credit. Give that guy credit. He's had some difficulties here and there. I don't have to talk about him. We know it, but the guy has done pretty damn good on all. In the end, he got himself to the right place. And he deserves credit and people around him, whether it's Heyman or whether it's some other people in his family, whatever. But they they deserve they deserve credit for that. Um, where you see a kid who had a lot of talent too, and and he was making a lot of money, and 
I don't know who he had around him, but he didn't go the right way. And look, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. But still, having the right people is a big part of it, a big help. I know you got to listen to him, but I'm talking about the kid um, who who was, uh, what's his name? Yeah, he was a protege of, of uh, Mayweather. Oh, Adrian Broner. Uh, listen, it's sad what I think of. I'm, I'm really... Very sad, very sad. He's a mess. He's, he's done no, everything wrong. And that's what I'm, I'm just saying. This should be brought up. That, that I you, agree. And, and so I just wanted to say that and say that he, I'm glad to see that this kid Garcia does have a good head on his shoulder, but also good people around him, the right people yeah. that are showing him the, the things that you need to be shown outside the gym, outside the gym. So I'll finish up with Oscar, where it was a little, little, you know, I, I, he's, you see him in there at the post-fight stuff. Ken, I know you're laughing already because you saw it and, and he's poking his head. He's, he's, you know, trying to get in there with Ryan and, hey, listen, he deserves, he's a promoter. He deserves it. But you could, he's just like, he's trying to survive. Like, like he's already out with Canelo He's had problems in his life, and I wish to God he could be okay. But you couldn't miss it, that he's he's quiet, and he's very gently, you can see, putting his hand on the back of Garcia, and he's, he's just trying to be in there. And it's like he's trying to hang in there. It's like he's sad, like sad desperation. Yeah, like he's trying to hang in, and I couldn't help it. But if, because, you know, I talked about being able to fight. You got to be able to fight, and you got to be entertaining. Because it is entertaining. So we have to be able to tell the truth. We have to be able to break things down and have a little entertainment to it. And it's not in a mean-spirited way, but I couldn't help it. I, I couldn't help it. But think of that movie. You know, I love to talk about movies, so it's not the last, first time I've done this, right? <laughs> uh, where Jerry Maguire with with Tom Cruise and yep. Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr., that scene where... Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire, was was on the hinge of being fired. He was he had lost he had lost a lot of his uh, he was an agent obviously, and he lost a lot of his clients. And he had this one client left, and he was trying to hang in there with him. And there was a scene, I think it was in a uh, in a in a locker room or something after the game. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was right. And and there's just this scene where he's trying to hang in there with with this one client that he's got left, who was uh, Gooding Jr. And, and, he's, and he's just, you can see, it's similar to what I'm describing. And he's trying to hang in there, and all of a sudden, Gooding Jr. says, he says, I, 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 you're hanging by a thread, Jerry. <laughs> you're hanging by a thread, Jerry. You're, you're, you're barely hanging on. Yeah, but but you're fighting to hang in there. I gotta. I love you for that, Jerry. I gotta give you credit. You're you're fighting to, and he's like even throwing silly punches, like going. You're fighting like a son of a gun to hang in there, Jerry. You're hanging by a thread, and I thought you're hanging by a thread, Oscar. But you're you you're, you're fighting like a son of a gun to hang in there, and um, it was it was like it came right out of that movie, you know, where the movie is true to life. In, in yeah. certain times. And Oscar is fighting Ken. He's hanging by a thread, but he's hanging in there. Uh, you know, 
he he got his next star, you know, and and you you know what? For all the things that we, you can take shots at him, which he puts himself in that position quite a bit by the decisions he makes, personally and professionally, obviously. But you got to say something about him. You got to give him credit for all the way that he gets knocked. He's had two of the biggest. I mean, he, he had Canelo, like the biggest star in boxing, and here he's he's bringing forward the the next possible, uh, you know, add to the throne, if you will, of stardom with with this kid Garcia. So he's done something right. You know, well, I, I, you could easily make the argument that he had all those things and he has slowly deteriorated every relationship he's no, had. There's no doubt about it. That's why we're, we're talking about it in the, yeah. in the context that we're putting it forward. Where yeah, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with I'm, you. And listen, I, I put him, I put, I gave him his, I, I knocked him and, and gave him his hits that he deserved. You know, yeah. And I, no, you're right, I, but. But I also have to point out the other side of it too. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. He's. Uh, it's sad that I can make an analogy with a movie where you know a guy's hanging by a thread. You're hanging by a thread. You know, and and that he, and that he would know it because you could see it. You could see oh, it yeah. when he's putting his head there. You can't help but think that if Garcia's contract was up after this fight, that it would be he would be uh, the first signing for um, Canelo Promotions outside of Canelo himself. Listen, that's the uh, you know, I guess that's the obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that, but look, and we're not gonna we're not gonna delve into that in any we're not looking for that we just want to talk about Garcia as a fighter and everything else that you know that would that that will take care of itself whatever yeah. whatever whatever that's going to play out with that whatever road that's going to take that's that's going to that's going to form and continue to form on its own uh that's between the people that it's between for us uh if we have Ryan on we're, we're we're just going to talk about the things that we talked about at, for the most part here today, which is uh, his him getting to where he got, how he overcame what he overcame, his attitude going into the fight, and his accomplishing what he accomplished. Yeah. And, and that he does have the... Well, he has the mantle. The mantle to be special in his game. You know, because of his talent, because of the other things that we talked about. He's got the mantle to be special, to, to be one of those special guys. And I'll finish with this, and I think I touched on it pretty good. I want him to be the guy that just can be a... We get sometimes... We get bad images of boxing sometimes, which bothers me. And and get bad, you know... Uh, just bad things that hurt the sport. There's a reason why you don't see boxers getting endorsements when other athletes get endorsements. You know, we put the truth out there. There's nothing to hide from. There's there's a reason. They, they should be getting endorsements like Sugar Ray Leonard, the great Sugar Ray Leonard, was getting seven-up endorsements when he came out of the Olympics. Some of these fights, they deserve it, but they don't get it. They don't get those opportunities. Why? 
because of the imaging of boxing, which a lot of times it's guilty of itself. Let's be honest. It is. Here's a kid, and there's other kids out there too. He's not the only one. But here's a guy that has a chance to, I think besides being a terrific fighter and champion, to change some of that, to change some of that, to get endorsements and to open the door for others, you know, and to be that positive ambassador for the sport, you know. And there's other ones out there too. Haney's a great kid. For example, I mean, just off the top of my head, boom. But this kid also has some of the other things that not everyone has that we talked about before that I went into great depth about that he has to follow and he has the savvy he, he's got the personality you know what I mean he's uh, yeah he's got the looks so that's it for me kid you got the looks too yeah. bud, by the way you know, <laughs> slowly slowly fading away screaming retreat no no never <laughs> no there's no retreat there's no retreat <laughs> We don't know that word. We do not know. We do not recognize that word retreat. That's very true. Well, listen, Teddy, thanks for everything. This was a uh, this was a fun one. Thanks to Ryan Garcia for uh, giving us something uh, worthy of talking to for an hour and a half. Um, we look forward to catching up with him hopefully next week. Um, like I said, we have some exciting action coming at us from the uh, UFC in the month of January. And we've got Kovalev at the end of January fighting uh, Beck the Bully. That'll be interesting. A um, lot to cover there. But um, thanks for being with us. Teddy, good to see you as always. Stay healthy over there. And uh, we'll be back with you guys soon. Good to be back with you.